So today is the first Father's Day that that I've ever had to celebrate without my dad. So my dad passed away in the fall, and my dad had a lot of faults, and uh, and there were a lot of things that my dad didn't we didn't see completely eye to eye on. But my dad always raved about Jesus Christ. My dad loved God. He demonstrated that he loved God. He pointed his children to the Lord. He pointed every person he knew to the Lord. And I honor my dad today. And I'm so thankful to have had a father that pointed me to Jesus, flawed as he was, who pointed me to Jesus without fail. So I want to do the same thing today. I want to honor him by raving about Jesus. In our series, Demonstrating Trust, we as a church have had to demonstrate trust in the midst of this series. Pretty interesting. I preached on demonstrating trust in the area of rest and talked about the importance of resting, that we trust God that more can get done in six days than it can in seven if we'll honor him and, and rest, if we'll honor Sabbath. And it doesn't have to be on a Saturday or it doesn't have to be on a Sunday. Sabbath was made for us, not us for the Sabbath. But we trust God and rest. And last week I talked about trusting, demonstrating trust in tithing, in giving, in trusting that God can do more with the 90% than we could do with the 100%. And today I'm talking about demonstrating trust, Jesus. Jesus. No one demonstrated more trust than Jesus Christ. His life was all about a demonstration of trust to the Father. There's a quote from A.W. Tozer that I want to read, and it's so true. It says, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What do you think about God? What do you think about God? The answer to this question determines the most important things. What we think about God determines our freedom. What we think about God determines our salvation, our healing. What we think about God determines our destiny and our future and our present. What we think about God also determines how we deal with the past. The picture that we have of God. The things we believe about the character and the nature of God. They profoundly impact who we are. What do you believe about God? What do you grab a hold of to be true? I want to talk about the intentionality of trust and the intentionality of belief. And it's not just something that falls upon it. it, it it's we choose to trust. We choose to not trust. And we choose to believe. What we believe about God helps us in navigating our life 
It helps us in approaching relationships, in managing resources, in handling the difficulties that we face, and we're all going to face them. So what do we believe about the character of God? What do we accept to be true? This is what belief means. We accept it to be true. If I, if I asked a couple guys, or even one guy, if I asked one, one lady to stand behind me and hold up their arms and I was going to do a faith fall and I was just going to fall backwards. What do I accept to be true? That I will land flat on my back or that somehow, someway, they will muster the strength to, to catch me? What do we accept to be true about God? We say God is good. We say his, He's good all the time. We say He's good and only good, that He's a good, good Father. Do we accept this to be true? And if we accept this to be true, how do we demonstrate it? Because a truth like that cannot just be tucked away. A truth that our God is good and only good cannot just be tucked away. It has to be demonstrated. If God is good and only good, why wouldn't we rave about Him to everyone? Everyone who's lost, everyone who's abandoned, everyone who's orphaned, or everyone who's hurting. If we believe, if we accept to be true, that our God is good. It's got to have action, friends. 1 John 3, 1 says this, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. Do you believe that God is a good God, and only good, and that He calls us His children? Do you believe that as his child, he treasures you? Do you believe the words that the father spoke when the voice of heaven came down to Jesus and said, this is my son whom I love and him I'm well pleased. Do you believe the same words over yourself? That we are His. That our identity is found in Him. That we are no longer orphans. That we are no longer abandoned. That we are His. Our identity comes through who we are in Jesus Christ. What we choose to believe about Jesus Christ. And that He loves us. And that He favors us. I conclude our short series on demonstrating trust by talking about the greatest demonstration of trust that anyone has ever done. Jesus is the epitome of demonstrating trust. And since Jesus is our leader, let's look to how we can follow. So I want to read a couple passages from John chapter 5, then I'm going to read from John chapter 8. John 5, 19 says this, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own court, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. John 5.30 I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just. Because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And John 8.28 says, So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man then you will know that I am He and that I do nothing on my own authority, but I speak just as the Father taught me. 
So what do we see in these three passages that Jesus demonstrated in the area of trust? From that first passage in John 5, 19, we see that Jesus is vulnerable and humble. He is observant and looking. He sees. We see that he is a doer. In John 5.30, we see that he is a hearer and that he doesn't seek his own will. And then John 5, or in John 8, we see that Jesus is about God, that he learns and is teachable. So Jesus did nothing except what he first saw the Father doing, is what he said, Right? I do nothing except what I first saw the Father, what I see the Father doing. So that means that the Father opened Jesus' eyes to see that one of the 12 people that was closest to him was going to betray him. Jesus saw what the Father was doing. So Jesus saw that there were times he was going to have to slip through a crowd, become invisible even, to avoid a premature death. Jesus saw that he was going to willingly and just strongly lay down his life for our sins. He saw that he would be completely abandoned by the Father and by the Holy Spirit and he would stand alone on the cross of shame. He saw all of these things. He says he does nothing Nothing except what he first sees the Father doing, what he saw the Father lay out before him. He saw friends die. He saw dishonor. He saw betrayal. He, he saw being mocked. He saw being abandoned. He saw all of it. See, in our belief of God, and our belief that God is a good God, too many times we think, if God is a good God, then I won't be betrayed, and I won't be mocked, and I won't stand alone, and, and I won't have those closest to me turn their back on me, and I won't endure hardship. And that is simply not true. Jesus saw it all, and he demonstrated his trust by saying, Father, I trust not only that you have my well-being in mind, but you have their well-being in mind. Church, too often our thinking is too small. We, we only think about what impacts us and we only think about the things that are measurable. The Bible says that God looks at the heart of man. Man looks to the outside. So we don't, you know, it might, whether it's David and a bunch of you know, bigger, stronger, more handsome brothers, you know, and God looks to the heart. Or what about circumstances? We look to the outside. We look to the circumstance. We look to the measurable. We look to the circumstance and we render our wise decisions and judgments based on external. When God says, I care about the heart. Jesus says, draw close to me and I'll draw close to you. You guys, right there with our head upon the chest of God, close to Him is where we're supposed to be. That's where we're supposed to be. God cares about the heart of man. See, we go through difficulties and we go through trials and oftentimes we'll blame God for allowing things when He's like, if you only saw what I was doing in your heart. 
if you only saw the perseverance and the endurance that I was building within you because I want to use you in a greater way and I want to grow your capacity and I want there to be increase in your life. And so if you only saw the inside, but you're looking at the measurable, you're looking at the outside, you're looking at the difficulty. God looks to the heart. When we know the Father, we trust the Father. When we know the Father, we trust the Father. Friends, this is about knowing God, about drawing close to Him, about having our our heart so close to His heart that we can feel it beating. It's about knowing the Father, knowing that He is trustworthy and He is trustworthy. He is Psalm 62, 5-8 says this, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in Him at all times. O people, pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. This passage echoes the demonstration of Jesus Christ in the areas of vulnerability and trust and dependence and listening and being teachable. Guys, you don't need a fortress and you don't need a refuge and you don't need a Savior if what? If everything's hunky-dory. If everything's just going great. You don't need a refuge unless you're being pursued by those who want to kill you. You don't need Him to be your strong tower if you're cool. If you're good. I got, I'm good. I'm good. I'm strong. I'm good. We need Him to be our strength when we are weak. We need Him to be our refuge when we are being pursued to be devoured. We need Him to be our strong tower when we're about to be overwhelmed by the circumstances of life. So we run to Him. We wait patiently before Him. We draw close to Him. But we're, 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 we're fooling ourselves if we think that we can experience the benefits of closeness to God and righteousness without some action on our part. And that action is drawing near. Drawing near and pursuing Him and running to Him. That goes totally, it's, that's counterintuitive to what we know. When we are in the midst of difficulty, what do we want to do? Survival mode, baby. I got to do all I can do just to make it, just to survive. And we kick in and, and you know, it's fight or flight. And I think a big portion of us, we fight. But if we don't intentionally just check ourselves and say, I'm not the victor Jesus Christ is, then we find ourselves fighting a battle we were never meant to fight alone. So you might ask, what about the times that God wasn't a refuge for me? What about the times that He wasn't there? Was He trustworthy then? Can you think of a time that you were, you placed your trust maybe in in a parent or a loved one or a family member and they weren't there for you? Or maybe you, you gave your heart to a, to a guy, to a girl, and they crushed it. 
Or maybe you, you had trust in a business partner. You had trust, you know, in, in a brother or sister in Christ. And they betrayed that trust. Was God trustworthy then? Have you believed in an authority figure? And that authority figure let you down. Have you put your trust in a doctor or a financial advisor and they were wrong? Was God faithful then? Was God trustworthy then? Please hear me, guys. God didn't do any of those bad things to us. Our response in the midst of those was to run to Him. And sometimes we did and sometimes we didn't. But God was there through all the difficulty. I want to read something from the message. Sometimes it just kind of... I don't preach out of the message. I preach out of either the ESV or the NASB. But sometimes the message says says things in a really cool way. Psalm 56, 8 says this. You've kept track of my every toss and turn through the sleepless nights. Each tear entered into your ledger. Each ache written in your book. God doesn't keep us from shedding those tears. God doesn't save us out of all of these crummy parts of life. We think maybe we should get saved from every one of these instances. And that's just not reality. Sometimes life stinks. Sometimes people are mean. Sometimes evil has its way in some really evil situations. I love this passage because it says that God is there. He hears us. He sees our tears. He sees the sleepless nights, every toss and turn. God cares. He knows us. He sees us. This is the heart of the Father. He sees and He knows and He loves and He pursues us. But we have to turn into His pursuit. We have to turn into His pursuit. He pursues us, but we've got to let Him catch us. We've got to turn into Him. To know the love and blessing of God, our hearts have to curve into His embrace. But far too often the hearts of man turns away from the Lord and they never experience the blessings of sonship. Listen to Jeremiah 17, 5 through 8. Listen to the, the difference in response. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man, trusts in man only, trusts in self only, and makes his flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. He does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. 
Did you see just in these two contrasting forms of horticulture? Just what what options are there? There's dryness, there's barrenness. There's a lack of stability, there's a lack of fruit and nourishment for those that turn away from God. So much so that they're called cursed. Now I tell you what, anyone who doesn't know the love of God, I'd agree with that assessment. If you don't know the love of God, if you don't know that our God is good and that that His grace is abounding for all of our sins, yeah, that guy's cursed. That's a a rough way to live life, man. That's that's hard. That's dry. That's desert-like. But to the one who embraces his pursuit and turns into him and believes in him, it says he is planted, he is stable, he is there by the river, that he bears fruit even, even in the midst of drought, he bears fruit, that his leaves are green. Psalm 55.22 says, Cast your burden on the Lord. And he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Friends, please hear me on what this means. Okay, the righteous, the righteous. And and for the sake of, of this, let me define righteous this way. Righteous is the one who, who hides himself just in the covering of the Lord. Okay? Righteous is the one who is defined by Jesus Christ, who is defined by the completed work of Jesus Christ that left nothing to chance. It is finished. It is done. He now rests at the right hand of the Father. He said, it's done. The price has been paid. The righteous is the one who has grabbed a hold of this, has believed in Jesus and says, yeah, I'm forgiven. Yeah, I'm free. Yeah, I don't have to endure this bondage of shame. I am free in Jesus Christ. I'm defined by Jesus Christ. So for righteous, it says he will never permit the righteous to be moved. Why? How can we say that when we're so easily shaken, when we're so easily moved? Circumstances can shake us. But if our heart is close to God's, our heart cannot be shaken. Our heart cannot be moved. If we keep our heart close to God, circumstances may shake. Yes. Our finances might shake. Yes. Our marriage might shake. Yes. There'll be difficulties. Man, sometimes life is crummy. But we, our heart, God cares about the heart of man. We will not be shaken if we allow our hearts to be close to the Father, if we don't leave His side, if we don't turn from His goodness and His grace. I'm not talking about like losing salvation. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about having to walk a difficulty that we're never asked to walk if we'll just stay in the embrace of our God. If we'll look to Him when the shaking starts and say, Lord, I cling to You. Because He ain't moving. He ain't moving. When the shaking starts, he's not moving, and so I'm not moving. Does that make sense? But if, we th- if we're the Lone Ranger, man, if we're out there on an island and we're doing it on our own, yeah, yeah, it, the shaking's going to be tangible. In Psalm 84, it says, Joyful, blessed, is the one who trusts you. Joyful, blessed is the one who trusts you. 
as a rule of thumb, I choose trust. For those of you that that I'm meeting today, I choose trust. Instantly, the minute I met you, I choose trust. I choose trust. I'm going to trust you. You don't have to convince me of it. You don't have to prove it. You don't got to run laps. You don't got to give me your resume. I'm going to trust you. It's a choice. Every week in this church, we talk about Jesus. Every week in this church, we talk about Jesus. Everybody in this church should be equipped to go beyond these doors and to tell others about Jesus. Now, none of us can save. None of us, not our job to convince anybody of anything, but it is our job to talk about the goodness of Jesus and that we're not alone. It's the Father's job to draw that person to Jesus. The Holy Spirit draws them. But then you go, yeah, yeah, I believe. I, I place my belief in Jesus Christ. If you're going through a difficult situation right now, here's what I want to ask you to do. Cling to the Lord. Cling to Him. So Marie, Marie had a, the Lord gave her um, just a, an image at the end of worship there. Marie, would you share that please? when Marie shared, I knew what I was preaching. Marie didn't know what I was preaching. But when she shared that word, this is all about demonstrating trust. It's about a response to a God who's trustworthy. And when he says that he will move us and that he will fill our sails, that we worship, that we raise our hands and we trust God to fill us up. If we can just close our eyes for a second. Just right there where you are, here's what I'm just going to ask you to do. Just respond to the Lord. Even ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what, what is it you're, you're wanting me to know at this moment? What are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to show me? And just ask the Holy Spirit, who's our teacher and our guide. He will guide us into all truth. Just ask Him. But ask Him, guys. Engage the Holy Spirit and say, what do you want me to learn? What are you trying to show me? What do you want me to do? If there's anyone here today that doesn't know Jesus Christ without asking him for his resume without asking him to prove himself to you would you just place your trust in him 
would you just say, I believe. I don't have all the answers, and there's still a lot of questions I have, but I, I believe that you're good. I believe that you love me. I believe that you are God. I believe that you're the only one that can take away my sin. I place my belief in you. Just right there where you are, just between you and Jesus, just right there where you are, declare, I trust you. I believe in you. As service comes to a close, if you need prayer for any reason, any reason, we love to pray. And that's about the most natural thing in the world, right? That should take place in church is one person praying for another, right? Man, I can't think of too many more things that are more normal in a church service than that. So if you need prayer, there'll be be people that, that are just chomping at the bit to point you to Jesus, to stand in agreement for, for what Jesus has for you and to pray with you. Actually, if that, those prayer warriors could go ahead and come on up so that people can see that, uh, that there are people that, that are here to pray. If you need prayer, grab one of these people. Let them pray with you. They're going to point you to Jesus and you're going to be glad you did. I want to encourage you guys with your eyes set on Jesus, withdrawing close to Him and embracing Him and not leaving the closeness of His heart, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. You're going to weather any storm that's there. Jesus asked you to get in the boat with Him. He's not going to let you die on the water. You're going to make it to the other side. But cling to Him. Grab a hold of Him.